always take the weather with you everywhere you go. Oh, someone could take this fucking weather with them. They could. To space. Hot space. How hot is space? Depends where you are. Like, yeah. if you're in the void, then it's pretty chilly. If you're just outside Venus, if you're in Venus's atmosphere, pretty warm. The chilly, the chi- the chilly space. The chilly Sounds void like, of space. Would that, be, that that would either be like a Scandinavian crime thriller, <laughs> or a, a film that you think you enjoy but you aren't sure you understand? The baseline temperature of outer space as set by the background radiation from the Big Bang, is minus 270 degrees centigrade. Yeah. So, so chilly. Pretty chilly. That sounds quite chilly. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. Ugh, no one asked for this. So welcome... To the podcast nobody asked for, with me, Ian Harries. And me, Graham Jones. And this week, we are talking about our top three movies that would be completely different if they had a smartphone. So this is a film, or one of my choices is a TV series, we'll come to that later. But we're going to say film, where if a character or anything in it had a smartphone, it would have ruined the entire film. Yeah, or at least... I don't, not necessarily ruin as such. I think change substantially could be ruined, but I think change, change substantially at least. Change, substantial change. You heard it here first. Yes. But yeah, I mean, there's not quite, this doesn't lend itself to our classic and now patented introduction segue quite like other choices, does it? Any choice would just be talking about a film we're probably going to talk about anyway. Yeah. Or... What's your favourite phone? What is your What is your favourite phone? I'm actually currently sat next to basically every phone I ever owned, apart from my Nokia 3310, which I have no idea. I currently have a. This is because where I moved my um uh, all of my crap out of my last house, and I've just got all of my phones in my office. I've got a Nokia. I want to say fifty. 5210, the one that was kind of like indestructible. Do you remember that one? Oh, I know exactly. It came in like two halves. Yeah. Then I have like this Nokia... I don't know what one this was. It's basically black and it's got like a swirly silver thing around the like numbers and stuff. Um, had a camera on it. I think one of the first camera phones I had. Actually, it's not all of my phones because I definitely had other Nokias. I've got a HTC Hero, which was the one that had the little like scroll ball at the bottom of it. Okay. I've got two iPhone 5s, I think. I've got a Sony Xperia and I have a... What's this one? This is a OnePlus... I want to say 3... So yeah, that's there's there's some smartphones. I remember nice. when I got my first, uh, I got the uh, iPhone, the the like iPhone three G, like the year after it came out. So like two thousand and seven, I think, which might have actually been the year it came out. And remember being absolutely like blown away by it because it was such a step up. I still remember my uh, Sony Ericsson W eight hundred i, which was like the Sony Ericsson Walkman phone. Oh, I had that as yeah. well. I don't have it here, but I used to have that. It was orange. It an was, and trim. it slid up? Uh, no, I think that was a slightly different one. Oh, okay. Um, so this was just like your standard blocky phone. 
Right. Background. Clamshell. Do you remember the clamshell phones? I do. Well, they're back. They've, they're back with a vengeance, aren't they? Oh, yeah, with of course. The, with um, foldable screen shit. Z, is it the Samsung Z series or something oh, like I've that? I've seen that, yeah. And then there's the one that's like, not the clamshell, but is like a regular sized phone, but opens up into a double sized phone, like a mini like PDA or something. Which I I was looking at it in the, um, in the airport uh, in like duty free. And I was like, I mean, it's kind of like the, it's, it's like the Jeff Goldblum quote in Jurassic Park. In that you know, it's a dinosaur. You were too ocu- you were too preoccupied as to whether you could. You didn't really think whether you should, <laughs> because I don't understand anyone that's going to use that. Yeah, I mean, my favorite thing with kind of flip phone, like not so much that one, I guess, but my favorite thing with flip phones was it solved the issue of not being able to dramatically hang up a mobile phone. Yeah, because you could do the whole like the the dramatic yeah, flip. Because that's. Clip That's the one thing as a society we're missing now is being able to dramatically hang up a phone. Because you can't, you can't yeah. really angrily hang up a call on a normal iPhone. Uh, no, I suppose not. Especially if you're not. I mean, most people now with an iPhone as well have got like earpods in as well, so you just look mental. Yeah. From far away, at least, because you look like you're not even. You know, you're having a conversation with the pigeon in front of you. I, I mean, it is. It is good. People, people interrupt my conversation with pigeons a lot less now. I actually, um, I actually witnessed a guy having an argument with a pigeon whilst I was trying to eat breakfast in San Francisco once. I think he'd been doing a lot of meth. Okay. The pigeon. <laughs> He was he was he was he was arguing with a meth yeah, that's, pigeon. That's why he was so angry because the pigeon had taken all of his meth. I mean, obviously, where a conversation on phones would go, methed up pigeons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's a strange one. I remember once seeing a, a very drunk guy talking to pigeons and ex- trying to explain to them that he was the head of Channel Five. No. Nice. Assuming he, maybe he was. I, I mean, from the looks of him, I'm assuming he's not. But with the random shit Channel Five shows, it would explain a lot. Yeah. Or it was a Channel 5 show we were watching. Like, man talks to pigeons. Fucking hell. Channel Not 5. Possibly. For any of our For any of our American listeners, uh, Channel 5 was the terrestrial TV channel that all of your was Hitler gay documentaries, all of your softcore porns, all of your... There was one like The Man Who's Turning Into a Tree. Yes, people fucking cars. There was a documentary on that. No, actually, I think the I think the man, the tree man was a Channel Four documentary, I believe. Dear God, Channel Five then suddenly I think turned a corner when they got the rights to like Prison Break. Oh yeah, I forgot that happened. Um, and then they started actually showing like there's there is a, a niche of like US TV shows that don't find their way onto like Sky Atlantic or whatever yeah. that find, somehow find their way onto Channel Five. Um, just to go back to San Francisco, and the reason it took me a little while because I wanted to verify that this was true because I remember it being a thing when I went out there, and then but I was just like, it's kind of so insane that you kind of think, surely it's not. It is. Um, so there's a there's an app um, called Snapcrap, which was built for residents of San Francisco to basically report human defecation in the streets because it's such a uh, problem there. Okay, we're gonna have to wind wind this back a little bit here. <laughs> human <laughs> defecation. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's quite sad in the sense that San Francisco has a really big homeless problem, which is, it's, it's kind of crazy because obviously, like, if you want, if you lived in San Francisco, you need to basically be a multimillionaire, but then you have extreme poverty and lots of homelessness, and as a result of that, you get, you know, people um, 
not having anywhere to go so they go in the streets and there's obviously a lot of drugs and it's it's kind of a problem that um that is a bit cyclical but as a result someone built this app it's called snap crap and um yeah in theory it's not just for for poop it's for like helping people clean up san francisco but typically it's used for poop yeah that's not that's <laughs> that's not where i thought that anecdote was going either <laughs> that thus the confusion but okay good yeah i mean technology showing the way i guess yeah so phones phones, <laughs> phones are cool <laughs> That yeah. has, uh, sorry, that's completely derailed me. Uh, phones, phones. <laughs> so, phones in films. Um, oh, actually, we should really mention it. Mention it. I think we we talked about this on like a very early episode of the podcast. Do you remember when the Matrix had a tie-in mobile phone? Yes, and it popped. It popped. It was apparently designed on like a reloading gun. Yes, I remember that. And also, X, the first X Men movie had a tie-in mobile phone as well. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it was the, let's find it. It was one of the first, um, uh, like camera phones on the market. It was the Siemens MC60. And the reason it was tied in with X-Men is if you look at, if you Google it, the way that like the keypad's done, there's a big X across it. Oh yeah. I see what they've done there. Mm. That's what film. Okay, here we go. Here is a tangent. Yeah. What movie needs a tie-in mobile phone? Um, what movie needs? I uh, like Die Hard, but like <laughs> it, like going proper retro with the like with the proper like big fat mobile phone that he has. Oh, so it'd just be like you'd need like the battery handbag kind of thing that comes with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. I like that. I like um, that. Anything else? Um, it's got to be like there must be like Disney mobile phones. Yeah, but they're probably like the ones where you you only talk to Dory and she says like four things back to you. Probably, I, I, yeah. There, there, there are definitely toy mo- Disney mobile phones. <laughs> I would, I would, I wouldn't mind an X Men one, but like you know, like the old school Wolverine colours. Yeah, like that. That's all I can think about now. Is all I would want from a tie-in mobile phone is it having the colour palette of a film I like. Yeah, because I can't think of. There's no real functionality left I need on my phone. It has a camera. No, I don't. I don't. I don't call people on it. So you know, One OnePlus did a. Um, they had a tie-in with McLaren, as in the car company, and that was all based on like the McLaren Orange that they they released. I was thinking actually, you say about the Disney ones. Slight issue though, because I think the problem is if you had a Disney phone, it it would just keep getting frozen. Oh. <laughs> I knew a, I knew a bad joke was coming and I still didn't didn't see that fair fair oh, play sir fair play I mean t- to be fair I'm sitting next to a frozen mug which is entirely why Disney is the only thing I could think of because I'm a fickle man who can only think of the thing directly in front of them it's like that um, scene in Family Guy when he's trying to make up mm. a fake name this is the P, and then someone crying, and then a, and then a griffin flies a griffin. past. <laughs> oh, I miss when Family Guy was good. Well, I think we we discovered this at yours, didn't we? It's the Family Guy was good when it was square. Yeah, I, I think that's as that's soon it. as it goes widescreen, you can generally assume the episodes are shit. Yeah, I mean it jumped it jumped the shark on the uh, 
Oh, I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah, Friday-ing poop episode. Yeah, yeah, that was the last Family Guy episode I watched <laughs> for a very, very long time. I now watch Family. The way I see stuff on Family Guy now is on Instagram Reels. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, which which would have been on TikTok two weeks before. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah but... we've been watching. We've been watching a lot of American Dad. I, I always preferred American Dad. I think it was one of those ones. I I used to find you know when. At least when I was watching them both at the same time, like to to the point I remember during sixth form, it used to come out like on a oh, I don't know what it was like a Thursday night in the US. So like a friend would used to start them downloading on Pirate Bay, so they were ready for like Friday lunchtime. Oh, yeah. So we'd go back to his Friday lunchtime, order Domino's, and then watch the American Dad and the Family Guy, and then play Mario Kart, and then go back to school. Because I think we had like a lunch into free period. Oh yeah, yeah. I do miss sixth form, um, but that. Um, but I always distinctly remember when we used to watch both at the same time. That it you typically had on any given week, one was very good and one was shit, and it seemed to just go between the two. Nice. Yeah, we used to have those where because you'd have yeah break, free period, lunch, so you'd end up having yeah. like two hours free. Oh, I mean. Glorious times. Living the fucking dream. Uh, anything else with phones? Phones, phones are great. Um, um, yeah. One, one thing we could just, just to go uh, philosophical, and then we'll just dive yeah. straight into movie recommendations. Uh, and talk about Alexander Graham Bell at all? Uh, we have enough history to be talking about today. <laughs> one of my pet hates is people who act like they're better than you because they don't spend air quotes, all of their time on their phone. Like, I, I really don't like the idea that, like, you'll have a picture of a train carriage and someone's looking out the window and the other people are looking at their phones and it's, like, implied that the person looking out the window is better than them. And it's like, well, no. Or it's the person that's taken the photo of just all of these people on their phones. Like, oh, can you believe all these people are on their phones? And they obviously yeah. took a picture on their phone. But like, I, I, had, I had some drunk woman come up to me on a train once when I was just sitting there on my phone. Just like, oh, what, why are you sitting on your phone when you could be, like, enjoying life? And it's like, all right, number one, the train's empty apart from a very drunk woman and her very embarrassed boyfriend who's trying to keep her away from people. And two, it's like, <laughs> I was messaging my dad. Like... Phones are, yeah, phones can be, like, I mean, especially over, like, fucking... Can you imagine the lock lockdown without fucking mobile phones? Oh, it would have been horrendous. Yeah, like, it, it, is, it, is, it is a legitimate lifeline uh, a lot of the time, and I, I just... All of the carrier pigeons would have caught COVID. Yeah, exactly. They'd never have got messages to each All other. All the Morse code stuff would have been uh, full up as well. You wouldn't be able to get a telegram through. Well, the minute you, you minute you cough whilst you're doing a Morse code, you you know you tell someone to something very rude by accident because you've you've put a dash instead of a dot. Well, exactly, and it makes those quizzes a lot harder as well. Don't know if you've don't yeah, know if you've ever done just a take a lot quiz longer through a Morse code, but yeah, yeah. That that sounds that sounds like the type of thing that's going on somewhere in Shoreditch. So like there's there's a bar in Hoxton where people are doing pub quizzes. Right, I, on, I think you mean um, a shipping container Hoxton. in Hoxton. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, that's just always annoyed me. I, I, I really don't like that whole kind of narrative around phones sometimes. Like, sure, it's easy to spend too much time on them, but just because you're looking at your phone on a fucking commute doesn't mean you're, like, missing the world going by. It's like it's it's seven o'clock in the fucking morning. I mean, you could you could marvel at the uh, graphic design on the new Elizabeth Line map, but that's 
that's about as um and once you've done that once there's not a huge amount more to uh to do is there no i think there's also the, like you said with the whole like drunk woman accosting you like there is definitely an element of it where it's just like don't talk to me don't talk to me don't talk to me don't oh, talk yeah. to me <laughs> don't make eye contact with me <laughs> yeah i want nothing to do with any of you yeah good old london yeah anyway london we won't get into the um, the life and times of Alexander Graham Bell and, and the history of the telephone because uh, we that's for other podcast ring wing ring ring with Ian and Graham. Hello, is that ring ring with Ian and Graham? But... <laughs> ring ring I like that <laughs> but if people um, are fed up with scrolling through Instagram have you got any um, any ideas for them of movies they could perhaps watch on their phone that they haven't asked for so this was a surprisingly difficult one to narrow down so obviously I was going to pick a film that heavily features a mobile phone right yeah so I was close to doing searching have you watched Searching? No. So it's this guy, it's the one that's done entirely through screens. Okay. So this guy's daughter goes missing, basically, and it's him looking for her, but you see it through, like, his desktop screen or his phone or stuff like that. Right. Um, and it's really fucking good. Podcast favourite and uh, concrete specialist, Locke. Obviously couldn't do Locke without a mobile phone, otherwise it would just be Tom Hardy driving in silence for an hour and a half, which... <laughs> To be fair... Or trying to use Morse code whilst he's driving. Yeah, very dangerous. yeah, and he still would have fucked up the Welsh accent if he was doing Morse code. <laughs> but what, I've, what I decided to settle on instead was the 2018 psychological horror film, Unsane. Yeah, I thought, you, I was, thought you might have gone for host because a couple of them are on their phones in that. Uh, true, yeah, very true. But Unsane literally couldn't have been made without smartphones. Have you heard about it? No, I haven't. So, so Unsane is a Steven Soderbergh film starring Claire Foy, which is about this woman who gets basically committed to a mental institution after she's being pursued by a stalker. But the film was shot entirely on an iPhone 7 Plus. So I'm intrigued because I read that I thought Tangerine was the first film that was ever shot on a, an iPhone. First professional film ever shot on an iPhone. Uh, Tangerine was also... Shot entirely on an iPhone. Luckily, I didn't say Unsane was the first film to be shot on an iPhone. This is true. So, this is very we're good. Cool. Unsane stands. <laughs> but you couldn't, like... Again, I haven't seen Tangerine, so just speaking for Unsane, it, it's... You wouldn't know. So it's... It, yeah, but... It's not that it... They've got to this yeah, level now, haven't they? Yeah, it, it, it's not that it's done, like, you know, found footage or anything like that, where it's obvious they're using a phone. It's just shot, but instead of with cameras, it's a phone. And it is fucking crazy. There's some, like, I, I don't know what the app does, but uh, it popped up when I quickly Wikipedia'd Tangerine as well. There's like a, it's an app called like Film IC Pro. So I don't know, I'm assuming that gives you a bit more control over the iPhone's camera. Uh, but they all used this app. And it's brilliant. It is also, novelty aside, it is a very effective psychological horror film as well. Um, so mm. I would I would strongly recommend it. And also, Claire Foy is fucking great. So Claire Foy uh, and Juno Temple is in it. Oh, nice. I have a lot of time for Juno Temple as well. Yeah, she's very good. 
you if you uh want to double bill a psychological horror movie about that's been solely shot on a phone perhaps with one that wasn't anything that you could recommend instead yeah so what i was thinking was obviously unsane is couldn't have been made without a phone i thought hey what film plots are set off by a character receiving a phone call probably a harrowing phone call on their mobile and i thought oh you know what Ari Aster's Midsummer starts off with a phone call. Um, it also starts off with a piece of shit boyfriend ignoring his partner phoning him. But yeah, so I, I think Midsummer. I think Midsummer would be a good double bill with Unsane. Both psychological horrors. Yep. One's a bit more folkier than the other. But yeah, but that's you know in that you'd get you'd get a folk call. Right. No, that that was really bad. That was very bad. And you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> but yes, Midsummer. Um, and obviously, as we talked to the cinematographer uh, for Midsummer, which is I still can't quite believe, it's a thing we could say, uh, wasn't yeah. shot on a phone. No, it wasn't. It wasn't shot on a phone. Absolutely not. It was shot it, it, more traditionally on a. It was great camera on a camera. Some would say. Mm. But yeah, so that that that's the choices. We have we have a mobile phone centric film, and we have a phone call centric film. Kaboom. Cat boom. Uh, and uh, on uh, that on that dramatic note, uh, I believe mm. uh, the first choice is yours. So my first film that would be radically different if any of the characters had access to smartphones is a film which I completely forgot Paul Rudd was in. I also completely forgot Miriam Margulies was in. And also didn't realise that Walt's dad from Lost played Mercutio. I am, of course, talking about Romeo and Juliet, uh, Baz Luhrmann's interpretation, which came out in 1996. 1996? Yes, it is closing in on 30 years old. That's sad. That was a lot lot (laughs) older than Romeo and or Juliet. (laughs) Yeah, so... There's there's some interesting things. Before I dive in, I just there was a couple of well, I say a couple of things. There was one thing that you know we all often like to talk about castings or miscastings or castings that nearly happened. Yeah. Did you know that? So obviously Claire Danes plays Juliet. Do you know who was originally cast? Originally cast. Uh, I to play Juliet. Okay, I have a really weird feeling. I know who it might be. Okay. But now I'm also doubting it because she would have been too old. Okay. So I'm just gonna say no. Okay, and you would right to you. You're going to be right to say no because she definitely wasn't too old. She was much too young. It was a 14 year old Natalie Portman. Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio was 21. Natalie Portman is definitely not Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> for some, she is a material girl though. Yeah, for some reason, for some reason, I uh, had Madonna in my head then, and I don't know why. I think the aesthetics of Romeo and Juliet kind of lend themselves to Madonna, so I yeah, give you that. I think so. But yeah, at the time Natalie Portman was 14, Leo was 21, and it took them until rehearsals to realise that it was a bad idea. Yeah, that's not quite right, is it? <laughs> no. So I think that there's there's quite a lot of ways that this, this would have like been completely ch- flipped on its head if there were the smartphones. So first of all, you have like Romeo meeting Juliet at the party and where he was meant to have gone and find his this Rosaline girl that he was obsessed with. So I don't think any of that would have happened. I don't think they would have met at a party. I think they would have. He would have matched with Juliet on on Tinder. He would have ghosted Rosaline, and they would have just kind of sparked up their their relationship and their dating from there. And you know, this is the thing in with dating in the twenty first century. You never meet people at house parties that your rival family is hosting whilst off your tits on ecstasy anymore. You just find them online. <laughs> it's efficient, sure, but you do have to wonder if romance is dead. <laughs> 
The good old days of uh, Renaissance Italy. <laughs> In sweet Verona. Uh, which, obviously, let's... Um, we can mention it. I do know that Romeo... The, I do know that the movie Romeo... Romeo plus Juliet was actually Romeo was actually Juliet. set in America. It was an equation. Romeo plus Juliet, question mark? Um, if you have three Romeos and one Juliet, how many apples are you holding? But, um, <laughs> but yeah, you also have the fact that there's a lot of kind of like sending word via other people via other people which um we'll come on to later but is often the source of many a problem but like the whole thing like going via the nurse so Miriam Margulies unfortunately wouldn't have needed to be in the movie because um we wouldn't have needed her to send any messages it would have just gone I imagine via like snapchat I also don't think they would have necessarily um arranged their wedding for the day after meeting either and that's purely just because of probably like social norms rather than anything to do with smartphones uh romeo would have had to have waited what is it you're supposed to wait a certain amount of time before replying to someone after a day uh, like, because that's the society yeah, we live like in where we think that's a thing or something right yeah yeah that's bullshit by the way anyone anyone listening who actually abides by that shit you're a moron oh it's ridiculous but such such as such as such as life there's also um the balcony scene would probably have been scrapped. I think that would have just been on FaceTime. <laughs> and the bit where just, Juliet's sorry, going... I love, like, I love the idea. Just of they're on a, a shitty um, FaceTime signal. Romeo! Yeah. Romeo! <laughs> Wherefore art thou, Romeo? So, so my, my thought was that actually she'd be saying that, you know, like, you know, the awkward bit of a FaceTime call when it's just, you're just staring at you where it says you're ringing oh, someone yeah. and he's not picking up. And she's like, oh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore out, oh, Romeo. But yeah, either either that or the signals dropped, I think is, is probably, is probably quite, um, quite good. But yeah, I think that's, that's, we, we missed the balcony scene that goes, it's, it's all on FaceTime. Or knowing... Knowing this, knowing this film, it would be an app called Balcony. Yeah, that's a good shout. Like that fucking was it House Party that tried to become a thing during lockdown and just wasn't. Yeah, it got didn't it kind of get hijacked by a lot of like really right wing people. Probably. Yeah, it was like a lot of the QAnon people. I think for one reason or another got um got quite drawn to it. But um, yeah, I seem to I think um and get your bleep machine out. I think had a, a invite for it that he sent over but i don't think anyone anyone actually used yeah no i remember that because the whole idea was like live streaming podcasts right yeah or, that was kind of what it amounted to yeah that's what it ended up being because it was basically just like it was like a more open zoom right yeah essentially but yeah and anyway so yeah that's that so balcony scene on on uh facetime slash balcony and then the big one is obviously they wouldn't need to rely on Pete Postlewaite because he was the one. I mean, he was Father Lawrence. He didn't go by his his. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Romeo and Juliet and Pete Postlewaite. <laughs> yeah, so he was the one that had written the letter that was meant to go to Romeo to say that he was faking his death and everything, and you know that got misplaced. And you know, as as we know, lots of poisoning and shooting in the face happened. So. Rather than that, he could have just shot over an email, a text, a selfie. Um, you know, like <laughs> a selfie. Him. Well, I'm just thinking they could have been like Juliet could have been lying there, comatose. Pete Postlewaite's there, taking a selfie with her, and then he's just like holding up a sign or just write, "Don't worry, she's she's not really dead, she's asleep." He could have done a TikTok, TikTok dance with like 
marionetting her. I don't know. But basically, <laughs> there was a lot of ways that... Um... Oh, can we just take a, a brief moment to appreciate the phrase <laughs> marionetting her? <laughs> I'm okay, quite so happy Pete, Pete Postlewaite is TikToking a video <laughs> to Romeo yeah. of him to Romeo marionetting and... a comatose Juliet. Yes, and she's spelling out don't worry, I'm just sleeping in semaphore. <laughs> this is, uh, which uh, obviously semaphore translation is a feature on the balcony app. So, oh yeah, it just makes it like the more, the more, you know, the more, you know. Yeah. This, so there we go. This is one of the weirder mental images we've had on this fucking uh, podcast, <laughs> on this pod show. It's a new, new, new t-shirt, new t-shirt design. Pete Postlewaite, marionetting <laughs> Claire Danes. <laughs> but yeah. Essentially, having smartphones turns Romeo and Juliet from a tragedy into what I'm going to say is basically like Greece without the singing and leather jackets. Because they came from different backgrounds. They were never meant to be together, but they made it work. Greece was like a car crash away from being a Romeo and Juliet ending anyway. Yeah, like, and to be fair, I mean, that car probably didn't keep on flying, so maybe uh, the extended cut. Yeah, the, 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 the extended cut goes full Thelma and Louise. Yeah, or like an R-rated shitty shitty bang bang. Shitty shitty bang bang or chitty shitty bang bang. Did I say shitty shitty bang bang? It sounded <laughs> like you said shitty shitty bang bang. I don't bang. think I said shitty shitty bang bang, but also <laughs> we will we will see what happens. Um so yeah. Romeo plus Juliet plus smartphones equals happy times. So my first choice. We are going from the uh, Renaissance period Verona Beach to the distant and bleak future of 2021. So I'm talking about the 1995 cyberpunk film Johnny Mnemonic, uh, which I've lost my shit about before on this podcast because it is one of it is it is an incredible good bad movie. Uh, So whoa, all right. Sorry, you said it came out in 2021? No, it's set in 2021. Oh, okay. Are you really worried me for a second? Because it's got Keanu Reeves in it, right? And it's terrible. And I assumed it was terrible because he was like at the beginning of his career trying to, like, he was taking all the work he'd get. I didn't, I, for a minute, I thought you meant it came out last year. Uh, no, so it is, it is, uh, it came out in 1995. Right. Uh, which, uh, under his Wikipedia page, falls under the era called Continued Acting Efforts. <laughs> let's, have a, let's have a quick look. So it came out between Speed yeah. and a film called A Walk in the Clouds. So, yeah, he did Speed and then he did Johnny Mnemonic. Point Break, I think, would be a bit later or earlier. No, Point Break was earlier. Interesting. I'm just Interesting. Yeah. So it came out just after Speed. And it's set, like I said, in the distant future of 2021. And basically there's like a, there's a disease going around called something like, I think it's it's NAS. So it's like nerve attention syndrome or something that is created by the internet. It doesn't make a lot of sense, basically. But Johnny Mnemonic is, uh, he's a courier who discreetly transport sensitive data for corporations in his brain. So he has a storage device implanted in his brain at the cost of his childhood memories. So he's tasked with sending over a... 
fucking hell. This film is shit. I love it so much. He's tasked with sending over a dangerous amount of data. Usually, these storage devices can hold 80 gig safely, or for a short period of time, 160 gig. <laughs> but he is tasked... The weird thing there is they're, they're not even like the, the standard integers yeah. of data storage. It gets worse. Like 124 gig. Okay, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, 80 gig. Or 160 uh, for a brief period of time. He's hired to carry... Now, I hope you're sitting down, Graham. Yeah. He's hired to carry 320 gig of data in his brain from Beijing to Newark. As as is the plot of all good films. Um, I won't dive into the plot any more than that. Just know that Ice-T turns up, Dolph Lundgren plays like a fucking ninja monk, and a dolphin is prominently featured. I love this film. Oh, and Henry Rollins is in it. Henry, uh, podcast favourite Henry, Roll- Henry Rollins. Um, apparently the brain can roughly store around 2.5 petabytes of information. Yeah, so so the the the, the thing they have in his brain Yeah can apparently safely store 80, but he crams in 320, which is also not how storage devices work. No, you can't... It's not like you find in a little extra space at the side of the room where it's bolder. The yeah. The sides of the storage are bolder. Yeah, it's not like you can jump on the top of like your fucking Dropbox account to squeeze it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but that's, We've all tried. But that kind of brings us on to how... Uh, how a smartphone would basically negate this entire film and it would just become a film of Keanu Reeves in the distant future of 2021. So It'd just be called Johnny Dropbox. Johnny Dropbox, yeah. So Johnny Dropbox, first of all, like my phone, I I checked before recording. uh, As of recording, Mm. my phone could, I have at least 80 gig free on my phone. So I could safely be a courier just with my mobile. Yeah. 320 gig, that won't fit on the phone I have. It will fit on some phones, but it could definitely fit in my Dropbox account. So, yeah, it would literally just be Keanu Reeves just becomes a hacker. It's like, all right, all right, guys, send me send me the uh, the data, preferably via Dropbox link. I'll upload it to mine and just email it over to Newark. This does feel like um, is this is the the Matrix crossover we needed, right? Because he's technically a hacker in uh, as as Neo, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we could do this as a Matrix prequel. This is what set the world off. But yeah, like I, it is such an incredible, like it's one of my favorite like views of what the future will be. Because it was back when like the internet was like this really techie thing that nobody understood. Like, you kind of get it a bit in Goldeneye, right? Uh, yeah, and also Swordfish. Yes, yes. And, and Hackers, if you remember Hackers. Yeah. Ah, oh, fucking hell. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a weird old fucking film. I just don't understand why, like... Right, so we need him to go... We need him to go somewhere from Beijing. Where would it be? And it's Newark. It just like feels like someone, <laughs> someone's only knowledge of America is like the cheaper flight they got to New York. I was gonna say like it's not even like it doesn't. You'd think JFK, right? Yeah, exactly. But New York, um, the Yakuza are also prominently featured, okay. which again doesn't make a lot of sense for a film that is set in Beijing and New Jersey. No, not not in the slightest. 
is I'm I'm curious is because uh, mnemonic is is like a like uh, Richard of York gave battle in vain right to remember how yeah. to for something like remembering the colors of the rainbow. Um, is are there any actually mnemonics as part of it, or is is Johnny? N- M- I can't even say it now. M- not Dropbox. Is his name just there because of um, it? It just happens to be there, or is there any kind of? Is it pertinent to the story? Uh, no, I think it's just what they've called the. Because I, I guess it's a type of it's a way to remember things. Yeah, I guess it absolutely is. So, but unless that's how he's put yeah. everything into his like brain USB holder. He's the best robotic maker I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like maybe that's how he's saving the three hundred twenty gig of data is just by robotics. I'd like to think so. Yeah, just like guys, yeah I've got the data. Just give me a moment. Verily I walked down the street. <laughs> but ho, what has come my way? A goose never wears orange socks. <laughs> This piano was faulty. <laughs> no, as far as I can remember, there, apart from like NAS for the disease, there aren't. A- that's more an acronym than a mnemonic, yeah. isn't it? That's There's an no... acronym. Actually, it's not even an acronym. It's a. It's an initialism. Are you still there? Yeah. No, I just. I just. You just blew my mind. If you called it NAS, it would be an acronym. NAS okay. is an initialism. Oh, there you go. Interesting. You, there we go. You learn something new every day. Uh, don't know if this would is actually going to be the cold open for the episode, but Graham and I, before recording, had a very interesting conversation about how chilly space is. So, I mean, this is this has basically become both a literacy and science podcast. Yeah, fucking go us. University is expensive these days, guys. Um, just, just just subscribe to the podcast. Oh, if Trump could start a university, we this can. True. And in today's math lesson, we are going to predominantly be talking about. Ari Aster's Midsummer, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So like it to to bring it back to kind of like the the subject. So mm. it would you couldn't get further away from what the movie is now if he had a smartphone with him, because it, yeah, it would literally there is it completely negates his entire part in the film unless it is just Keanu Reeves sharing his Dropbox with people. It's either that or he's time for that. or he's like um, he's like a. A sales associate for Dropbox, and he's going around and getting people to take out licenses because you don't need someone to do it for you, right? Dropbox is pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, so I like the idea that he's 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 going out to these criminal gangs and just convincing them to like that you can move away from the free version. Like we have this freemium thing. Like yeah, you can do five gig for free, but yeah, if you really need to do a whole three hundred and twenty gigs, then you should probably upgrade to our pro account. Um, five of you can upload, and um, actually, you can do up to a thousand gigabytes. Some may call it a terabyte. Yeah. Oh, you need it. You need it encrypted. Yeah, yeah. No, we can. We could do that. Encrypted from the Yakuza and readable by a dolphin. Yeah, no. So you're going to need our expert package. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely an expert package. Yeah, and you need it with the. You need the marine add-on as well. Because, yeah. Sorry. Um, so it's it's a dolphin. It's not a fish because a fish is no. It's a it's a dolphin. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that's that's expert plus plus marine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, an iced tea. Well, he's actually got a discount. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. And you can remember his discount code with this handy mnemonic. <laughs> Keanu Reeves made bad choices <laughs> in, in the, the mid nineties. <laughs> where, 
where are we going now from the distant future of 2021? From the distant future of 2021 all the way back to the chilly Christmas of 1990 in New York? Is it in New York? Where do they, Where are they? No, it's not in New York at all, is it? Because they go to New York in the second movie. Uh, it is in... Chicago. 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 <laughs> yeah. Chicago. Chicago. So we're always talking about the musical Chicago. No, um, Home Alone. Also, um, is... also to be fair, would it be very different with a mobile phone? This is true. Yeah, so Home Alone, I think, gets... There's a number of ways that Home Alone is drastically changed with um, the event of smartphones and the first way so much so that the film doesn't happen in the first thing because this can be ruined right at the start because in the era of smartphones the power outage that causes all of the alarms to malfunction and everyone to oversleep and then be in a rush wouldn't have happened because they would have had alarms on their phones and their phones wouldn't have to rely on being plugged in to be able to then go off in the morning and therefore everyone would go up on time there wouldn't have been a panic there wouldn't have been a rush and kevin wouldn't have been left so home alone wouldn't have happened so my next choice (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i mean also you you shouldn't have your phone plugged in overnight it's bad for the battery no but everyone does terrible for the battery yeah psa there nice see again you are fucking learning shit today guys yeah we need the um can, can you I, i'm sure we can do it for like parody purposes but just edit in like the knowledge is power thing knowledge is power so that's that's the main one here right so but let's say let's entertain the idea that you know this does happen somehow they oversleep or there is still a panic kevin gets left at home anyway i think there's there's a few other ways that it changes right so the phones wouldn't so one of the big issues is they land in paris and they can't get hold of him because the phones are down because of this storm again that wouldn't happen like they would be able to send a text or a whatsapp or a facebook message or any way of contacting him to make sure he was okay the the inability to have dialogue between paris and chicago whatever the weather i don't think exists you could also quite easily contact the local police as a result as well yeah or like he could have tweeted the airline yeah could have done that Many ways, you'd probably even have Wi-Fi on the plane. So even when you realised on the plane that they've left him, could have could have got in contact then. So I think that solves a lot of issues. And then the other one is that the McAllisters are bloody rich, right? I mean, they could afford to take their entire extended family away for to Paris for Christmas, and their house is huge. Like I don't know oh, what yeah. I mean. I I think um, I don't know what his name is. Daddy McAllister <laughs> must be into some shady stuff because um, <laughs> he is he is raking it in. And as a result, I assume that they'd probably have like the whole like ring video doorbell, but like also with all of the cameras and stuff. So not only would they have been able to kind of see anything that was happening through through the door, but like they'd have known that the wet bandits were trying to get in, and they would have been able to notify the local police again because there was absolutely no uh, no issues of communication between Paris and Chicago. Yeah, and and I mean like there there are so many different parts of this film that would be completely ruined by a smartphone. Cuz like like you said yeah. even even him just even if at some you know cuz you know there is a world where he doesn't want his parents to come back cuz he's enjoying being in the house by himself. Yeah. So he might not answer the phone from his parents or anything like that he'll sure as fuck find the police when the wet bandits break in yeah absolutely wouldn't need to use the talk boy to do the recording yeah true very true 
Also, just Google Talk Boys because I was making sure it was called what it was called. How much do you reckon a used Talk Boy in its packaging is going for on eBay at present? Used but in packaging. Yeah. A hundred? £999. Fuck off! <laughs> like, I thought 100 was a bit of a conservative estimate, but fuck off, really? Yeah, you can, it, out of packaging used 150 Fucking hell, okay. That's some expensive fucking packaging. <laughs> I think it's more along the lines of um, how complete it is for a collector rather oh, than yeah, I was, the, I was... the value of the cardboard. <laughs> yeah, but you know... <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite amazing that that, like, I, I remember being amazed by Talk Boys back in when, like, Home Alone came out and thinking, I don't, I never had one, but, like, thinking I really wanted one. When essentially all it could do is, like, record a little bit of sound and play it back. Yeah. It's really shit when you think about it. Yeah, it's not, uh, it, it really... if you try to market that today, <laughs> kids yeah. would be like, Seriously? Have you seen what this phone can do? <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to keep playing my game where I'm a penguin. You, you can't watch you can't watch Paw Patrol on this thing. Yeah, that's you could record Paw Patrol on that thing. A brief sniff <laughs> of it and then play it back. Seconds, yeah. Is it a cassette that is constantly like re-recording? Yeah, it's just like basically like an old answering machine. Like it was those small little cassettes that you used yeah. to get in the answering machines. And you could yeah, record and record over it. Yeah, maybe it would. So I don't know. I just when you said about recording the the TV, it, it completely adjacent to all of this. Have you seen the whole thing about um, how there's loads of kids in America that are getting British accents because they're watching too much Peppa Pig? <laughs> no, really. <laughs> yeah, so apparently it's a thing <laughs> where they're watching loads and they're saying things like either with a British accent or like pronouncing them in the British way rather than the American way. That is fucking amazing. Because I know it's sometimes a problem the other way, just because of how much American TV there is that kids watch. But I've never yeah. heard it. I've never heard it. Uh, what we will refer to on this podcast as the right way. Can I? Can I say my my go to Peppa Pig anecdote? Or not anecdote? Uh, fact. Is it? Is it? The, is it the height of Peppa Pig? No. Have you never given? <laughs> um, Google height of Peppa Pig. Of what? what? <laughs> that can't be right. I mean, it's all in perspective, right? What? So, do we? Shall we say this number on here, or shall we get people to just? You know what? Yeah, search it for yourself, Google. guys. Google yeah. height of Peppa Pig and be amazed. And then, as I received a lot after last week's fucking episode, like, do you know the amount of people who messaged me saying, "What was Steve O's tattoo then?" Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I look forward to hearing from you all. Yeah. Okay. No, it wasn't that. It was that an episode of Peppa Pig has been banned in Australia. Oh, right. Why is that? Uh, because the moral the moral of the episode is that spiders are our friends. Oh, yes. And, I, I remember you saying yeah, that. So. And you can't show that to Australian kids. Because in Australia, spiders are certainly not your friends. No. Definitely not. Well, not all of them, anyway. Yeah, this, this little red back is not your yeah. friend. But Peppa Pig said it was. But yeah, no, so apparently they're they're pronouncing, like, tomato correctly. Oh, um, aluminium. Tomato. I don't know how much aluminium they talk about in Peppa Pig. Maybe well, when they... When there's, they... The episode, there's the episode where she builds a cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, and I guess when you, you have to maybe wrap the hog roast. <laughs> hey, what what mummy pig and daddy pig do in the privacy of their own <laughs> sty is between them and the video camera. <laughs> a hog roast episode of Peppa Pig would be great. It's just a roast. Yeah. <laughs> You've got like Pete Davidson there. <laughs> yeah. And it is Peppa Pig. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we got onto that, but um, yeah, Home Alone, very different movie if they've got smartphones. <laughs> yeah, or where. Giant pigs. Or were giant pigs, yeah. Yeah, Are you okay. giving it away now? People uh, might sorry. have thought a pig was or, really tiny. Or if they were tiny, tiny pigs. Microscopic pigs, even. We just don't know. Amoeba pigs. Look at look at us driving traffic to Google like they need our help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. Like, do you think... Do you think Kevin McAllister would have tried to get in touch with his parents? Probably not, because he was a bit of a little brat, wasn't he? And he was yeah. annoyed at them, um, wanted... He kind of enjoyed the whole being home alone thing so probably not he'd have probably utilized it in another way in like you know that you can get like smartphone controlled drones and he'd use that to attack the wet bandits instead or something yeah so this would have just become um a film of a kid screening his parents calls probably yeah i mean actually i don't know how they did because they they did a new one recently right with ashley b in it which was a shame apparently it's terrible but oh god not just that Uh, ashley b Rob Delaney and yeah, um, the kid from Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, and uh, shit, she was the new receptionist in the office. Ellie Kemper. Oh, Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> yes, Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, all of them were in it, and apparently it's dirt. Yeah, which is a real shame because it's ahead of a cast. Yeah, I don't know how they do it in that because I'm guessing there is there there is a way where a, a smartphone wouldn't. I mean, it obviously would change certain things, but there is still a world where you still wouldn't be able to, you know, get back quickly and you can't get in touch with anyone to go round and things like that. So I'm guessing they just lean into that, maybe. But yeah, it's all a bit fucking weird. Or you'd have to write it into, and then their phone got stolen. Yeah. Or the Verizon went down. Yeah. Fucking Verizon. Because oh, and I mean the most annoying thing is Home Sweet Home Alone is an incredible name for a movie. Very good sequel title. From uh from the nineties, we are now travelling. C- c- come with me, Graham, if you will. Where are we off to? To the the distant to uh to France. Okay. So nice, nice. Oh well, uh, I mean, there's there's a Home Alone crossover there. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So we're we're, we're going to be off to France. Um, oui, oui. A bit, a bit harder to crowbar a smartphone into here because it would immediately turn this into a science fiction movie. Because we are looking at the 2019 film 1917. 2019, 1917. 2019, 1917. Yes. So 1917. It sounds like it's far in the distant, far in the distant future. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's everything cyclical, right? So yeah. eventually, we would all, we always come back to 1917. In one continuous shot. In one continuous shot. So 1917 is obviously a film I liked because it is fil- the entire film appears as two continuous shots. And as we all know, I lap that shit up. It's fucking great. One issue I had with 1917 is because of that, you spend the whole film trying to find where the lines are, like the joins. And yeah. yeah, and it does occasionally take you out of it, but that's not the film's fault. It's the technique's fault. It's still like a very, very, very good Your film. Your fault, Ian. 
It is my fault entirely. So, as we know, Graham, as I beckon you into uh, this week's Ian's History Section. Oh, Christ. The Ian Harry's History Section. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. In 1917, uh, the Hindenburg program uh, came into effect. So basically, the Germans had built a massive fortified defensive line, basically. So in 1917, the German army pulled back from where they were on the Western Front to retreat to this fortified line. Yeah. To the Allies, it looked like they were retreating. So uh, they, you know, kickstart kickstarted is the wrong phrase, but. Basically, it looked like the Germans were in retreat, so the obviously idea is for the, the British to uh, charge after them. I like the idea that the war effort was 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 won on Kickstarter. Well, yeah, it was crowdfunded. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> what would the tears be? Uncle, uh, Uncle Sam <laughs> needs you to invest in his uh... yeah. <laughs> become a friend of the war effort for only five pound a month. He can become an executive producer. Yeah, so basically. It wasn't retreat, it was a strategic withdrawal to this new uh, Hindenburg line um, where they were just waiting to bombard anyone who was coming towards them. Uh, a charge I, um, was... I, I applaud you for saying strategic withdrawal without laughing. <laughs> so it was... Uh, the, the, the Germans used the rhythm method to <laughs> go back to the, the Hindenburg notorious, line. The, the notoriously Catholic Germans. <laughs> the notoriously Catholic Germans. And the, uh, I, I believe, 100% effective. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you pray. <laughs> oh, satire. Um, but seriously, guys, use protection. So yeah, so they... Uh, they I'm just going to keep saying it. Uh, there was this strategic withdrawal. <laughs> the Allies then, uh, or the British, uh, ordered the troops to advance. And basically, they after the order was given, they found out that they were basically sending them into like a death trap, right? Yeah. So the plot of the film is because the telephone lines have been cut, uh, they send two young British soldiers to carry this message to this regiment that's got the scheduled attack to tell them not to go over the top. And the film then follows these two soldiers through like no man's land and everything like that and... It, like we said, it, or, or like I said, it, it's very, very good. The cast list is insane as well. So George McKay plays the main guy who is an actor I think we're going to keep hearing more and more about over the next couple of years. It's a movie, so Mark Strong is in it. <laughs> Richard Madden, Andrew Scott, Colin Firth, Benedict Cumberbatch. Weirdly, given who we've talked about, Billy Postlewaite. Oh, okay. Who is uh, Pete Postlewaite's dad. Dad? Son. Dad? <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, Pete, I'm fairly Pete, sure. Pete Pothelwaite was Billy Pothelwaite's dad. I was going to say, if it was if it was his dad, I mean, the, the Pothelwaite gene is just a strong one. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like, so it's it's a very good, incredible long take of these soldiers delivering this message. With a smartphone, this becomes a long shot of somebody composing a text message. Yeah, text message or email. I mean, they could even probably send it in uh, in emojis. Yeah, probably just what just the the skull and crossbones emoji. Well, like the the red X for for don't. What would you do for go? Like a an, a pointing finger over. Or just the stop a, sign. A, a, yeah, or that. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it would just become a text message, which is literally just you'd search for Benedict Cumberbatch in your mobile phone. <laughs> and then you would just send the stop sign, and that's it. So a, a less technically impressive 
long shot. I'll give you that. You should do a GIF, maybe. Maybe a GIF, yeah. It just, just the 1917 goes from being a two-hour-long, <laughs> two-hour-long film to a GIF, which we could show for two hours. You could, but it, it does feel like it takes the impact out of it. Um, it could be. Oh, you know where it would be? It would be the um. Ah, oh. sorry, I'm just, I'm just doing a, a GIF search at the moment. I tell you which one you'd use. Jonah Hill at the Oscars, where he's doing the like, is it the Oscars where he's oh like, yes. doing like the, the, the hand wave at his neck? Yeah, I know exactly what yeah. you mean. Yeah, so it would just be that. So this whole this film one. would be George McKay and that guy who played a Lannister prince in Game of Thrones. No, not that one. The other one. No, no, the other one. Texting Benedict Cumberbatch a Jonah Hill gift. Yeah, and that's it. It takes you know, it takes a lot of a. Uh, a lot of the stick out of it. Did you just send me the GIF? Yeah, that's yeah, exactly the one I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, or you were telling me to shut up. <laughs> one of, one, it's, or yeah. maybe both. <laughs> maybe both. But yeah, like, I mean, nothing says completely different, quite like literally taking the entire plot of the film from two hours to, what, five minutes? To Jonah Hill. At least Jonah Hill gets another acting credit. Yeah. Yeah, no, true, very true. And, I mean, the film, if we want to keep it at two hours, so the I could talk you through literally the entire film. Uh, so George McKay wakes up underneath a tree. Yep. So he gets called over to Colin Firth, who says, Oi, mate, by the way, like, my phone's out of battery. Yeah. Um, do you mind... <laughs> Have you got a charger? Yeah. Oh, you don't. All right, fair, fair. Uh, can you just text Benedict Cumberbatch um, to stop? Have you got Benedict's number? Yeah. And then George McKay is just like, yeah, no, no, fine, fine, done. Just sends yeah. him the Jonah Hill gif. And then Conflath's like, oh, God, yeah, that would have been. Imagine if you'd had to run there. <laughs> and then George McKay like does that awkward, you know, like that laugh you give when managers are trying to be funny and you don't really want to laugh because it's not funny, but they also sign your paychecks. Uh, yeah. That yeah. one. It's, it's like the, it's uh... part tutting, part laughing. Like the t- it's the, <laughs> yeah. I, the, I, the I have to laugh. Yeah. You, you say yeah, yeah a lot. Well, yeah, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then goes back to his tree, falls asleep, and then it's just a, a shot that slowly zooms in to his sleeping face over the next hour and 55 minutes. When he just, just napping in the knowledge that everything's okay. Uh, everything is good. And then occasionally his phone goes off. Yeah. And that's it. Because obviously you need to see Benedict. What, what would Benedict Cumberbatch's uh, response be? It would be that, is it the hard-boiled... Thumbs up. Hard boiled. Is it hard boiled? Well, so my my go to thumbs up is always the um the, the WWE ref from the SmackDown video game where he's like oh, comes yeah. from behind his back and swings up in front of him. So I think that's the one he'd go for. My my go to often is um it's the kid at the old school computer. Oh yeah, with like the fucking buzz cut, like bait, like uh kindergarten Zach Morris. Yeah. It might be hard. I'm fairly sure it's Chow Yun Fat giving the thumbs up. Oh, that one, yeah. No, so it's fr- it's from a Better Tomorrow Two. Yeah. So that that one. So uh, the the whole film is our last two messages. Basically, yeah. That that is literally the entire film. There's a screenshot for you to put on Instagram. Final choice. So this is a film that um came out in 1999. And it is a film that is focused very much around sort of multiple identities, which play out in a way that is very well done in the movie. But I think introducing a smartphone into this could... I I think it goes two ways, right? It could help 
in certain ways, but also it could mean things are really, really difficult in others. The film I'm talking about is the the talented Mr. Ripley. Interesting. Fun fun fact. Mm. Um, I so I've never seen the talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah, which isn't the fun fact. That would be a very ego centered fun it's, fact of me. It's but, quite dull. Yeah. Yeah. So I always think whenever you say the talented Mr. Ripley, because weirdly it's yeah. a film you bring up quite a lot. Uh, my yeah. first response is always, that's the one where he plays death, right? <laughs> it's not. Yeah, every single time. Because that, that's Meet Joe Black, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's every... also a completely different actor. Completely different actor. But every time, <laughs> my brain has just like made the false connection that the talented Mr. Ripley is about the Grim Reaper. Well, then there's also, you also have um, Ripley's Game, which came out in 2002, which is technically, it's a sequel book, but... A, I don't think it's necessarily a direct sequel to The Tenet of Mr. Ripley, but you have um, John Malkovich playing Tom Ripley in that one. Ah, interesting. When I, when I th- when, when, yeah, when I think <laughs> of two actors who could play the same role, the ones who spring to mind are John Malkovich and Matt Damon. I, I mean, obviously Matt Damon's going to look like John Malkovich in 20 years' time. We'll see. We'll tune back. So do you, do, you, do you have any kind of concepts about the Tans of Mystery? Because I didn't before I watched it recently. Do you um, have a... I, I have. So okay. I, I, have an, I have an idea of it. It's all identity. <laughs> That's there was an extra. You added an extra tit in there. You total recalled it. Ah. Well, I do that. I, I do that a lot, don't I? <laughs> so, uh, so, so just, just one, one last thing. Yes. And then I'll stop. So you said 2002, Ripley's yeah. Game came out? Yeah. Okay. John Malkovich in that was the age Matt Damon is now. <laughs> so John um, John Malkovich is 20 years older than Matt Damon. Okay, so he should look like... So Matt Damon... Matt Damon right, should now look like 19... No, 2002 John Malkovich. Yeah, and if he doesn't, which I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he doesn't, <laughs> on, on principle, I am never watching Ripley's game. Just too, just too unbelievable. Um, anyway, uh, yes. So, Towns of Mister Ripley. It is all identity con artisty. Yep, yep, yep. Very good cast. So you've got Matt Damon, Jude Law, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kate Blanchett, Philip Seymour Hoffman, to name a few. So, this is all focused on. So, Tom Ripley is sent over to uh, Italy, bring back. Basically, the Jude Law's character, Dickie Greenleaf, is kind of bumming about Italy on his father's trust fund, and uh, his his father sends Matt Damon, Tom Ripley, to kind of convince him to come back to America and sort of get involved in the family business, blah, blah. Tom becomes kind of enamoured with this lifestyle and everything, and is very much kind of taken by it and kind of wants to be as ingrained in it as possible, strikes up a friendship with Dickie, and... Things happen, he kills Dickie and assumes his identity. Interesting, interesting. Uh, before you start talking again... Yes? Dennis Dennis Hopper has also played him, apparently. Oh, really? So I think there's about four books yeah, in total. There, but I, th- I think they might have remade the same one. Like, So I think they've done two adaptations of The Talented Mr. Ripley and two adaptations yeah. of Ripley's Game. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly the other two books oh. didn't have a lot in them. Then there was so Ripley Underground, right? Uh, they That's did. the last book, I think. Yeah, they did with uh, Barry Pepper, mm. also known by his Christian name 
the sniper from Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> yeah, all of this happens. It's very... I don't know. I'm not entirely sure when it's set, actually. I think probably in the 80s. It, was, it come, comes out in 1999. But uh, uh, also interesting fact, Antony Minghella, who, um, who directed it, also owns an ice cream company on the Isle of Wight. Oh. Minghella's ice cream. It's very good, actually. Um, and that's coming from someone with lactose intolerance, so you know... It's it's one of the kind of you know when you know that there's you're willing to take a risk on it you know it's a good a good level of dairy much like the we had uh, so we went and saw Top Gun last night and went to the Everyman and where you obviously you can order like a full three course meal with your uh, with your cinema ticket I I have I know we I know we are very prominent supporters of uh, the Prince Charles Cinema but I do love a good Everyman experience oh, it's, it's brilliant it's so much fun we had halloumi that was in like a like spicy honey sauce i mean Ooh. it was it was worth it oh sir <laughs> oh 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 hello me sir oh oh do you want it sir do you want it while watching top gun maverick sir oh sir oh, oh. side note top gun maverick was brilliant i i am dying to see it i just haven't been able to uh find the fucking time it's everything you would expect it's it's entirely predictable it's hugely cheesy there are loads of callbacks and it is just fun, but like, but like when I say it's hugely cheesy and all this, I'm not. That's not a. That's not a knock on it. It's it's what it should be. Yeah. So I'm guessing. Yeah. If you if you liked Top Gun, there is no reason not to like Top Gun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's even like a callback to the the volleyball scene. Uh, I rewatched Top Gun the other because we're just not talking about this atmospherically <laughs> apparently. I, I rewatched Top Gun the other day, and I always forget just how I was watching it with a friend of mine who'd never seen it before, right? And like exper- experiencing it through the eyes of somebody who had no idea what just the sheer level of homoeroticism that was uh, ahead of them was <laughs> uh, was an experience and a half. Because I also forgot, like, what is an underrated movie song is. Um, Playing with the boys from Top Gun, right? Which I think is the song that they're playing when they do like the volleyball montage. I mean, where it's just like the most eighties cheesy pop thing. It's like just playing with the boys. I think like, that yep. doesn't surprise me at all because everything in both movies is entirely on the nose. Mm. Like call it, yeah, you know, like the fact that Tom, Tom Cruise's character is called Maverick, and and that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we talked about that as well, and that the characters really cool and you know doesn't get flustered is called Iceman. <laughs> yeah and this is my colleague uh loose cannon <laughs> have you heard um have you listened to the latest three bean salad uh, i don't think i have so no. they talk about in top gun how um goose's goose's son is in it and they were like oh obviously played by ryan gosling <laughs> i mean I see what they he's not there. but um yeah the the role he was born to play ryan gosling is too busy playing ken in the barbie movie which, and I can't stress this enough, is possibly my most anticipated film. I'm I cannot fathom where it's going. <laughs> well, I wouldn't I wouldn't be interested at all if it wasn't for the people that like because it's Greta Gerwig. Yeah, and then obviously Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. You know something, it something meta is happening, right? Oh yeah, without a doubt. I like, I don't know what. Yeah, but something is. No, I. I can see it being absolutely incredible. Yeah. No, I, 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 I'm really interested. I don't, I don't know that I think it's going to be incredible. I'm happy to be proved wrong, but I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what comes out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Anyway, anyway to, to turn to Mr. Ripley. Ripley. So not, 
not John Malkovich gets used to a certain standard of living. That's what we yeah, get to, I basically. Believe. So anyway, um, so he he assumes Dicky's identity after battering over the head with a with a canoe or and leaving him in the some I think maybe just off the coast of Venice. Anyway. There's a few things in this, right? So right at the beginning, he he convinces Dickie Greenleaf that he was like he went to college with him, and he's like, "I'm sure you'd like, I'm sure you didn't. I don't I don't remember you." And then he kind of spouts off all of the classes that they took, blah, blah, which was obviously not yeah. true. So one way that the smartphone era is going to kill this is the fact that after, as soon as Tom Ripley has walked away, Dickie is getting his phone out. He's checking LinkedIn and he's looking at the. Uh, the alumni uh information on his on his college page uh he's looking at tom ripley and he's realizing absolutely not this guy's an absolute chancer and um i have no idea who he is and you're definitely not coming home to stay with me and my girlfriend and i think there's also the the slight there's the knock-on effects of this is that okay let's say he manages to you know kind of bypass this buys into kind of gets through does the whole shebang with getting in with the green leaves and then assumes dickie's identity after the incident again all of these people that he then goes around engaging with and interacting with and is essentially saying that he is dickie greenleaf one google and he's you know the jig is up right like it's it's so impossible from that point of view to actually because obviously we live in an era of like you know with all of the catfishing stuff and everything but the key thing with catfishing as you see from like the TV shows and everything, it only works up until the point that the person either needs to jump on a video call or meet someone in person. Whereas, yeah, basically. Whereas throughout the Sands of Miss Ripley, he is there with these people, convincing them that he and people that like know who Dickie Greenleaf is, but maybe like again because like pictures aren't everywhere and things like that. Yeah, I just think it would be kind of impossible to to have that, especially with someone who's like a high, you know, he's like a socialite, and therefore, you know, if take someone in his position today, they're going to be all over Instagram. Everyone's going to know what they look like. They're going to be, you know, people are they're going to be going viral because they've just taken pictures of their Rolexes in their hundred million dollar yachts or whatever it is. I just don't see how yeah, it's, it's possible. Gonna, it- it's going to be an. It's this is going to be a mystery solved by either Instagram or LinkedIn. Yeah, uh, yeah. And there is a bit in the film where, like, so one of one of Mister Ripley's talents is that um, he can um, he can fake like other people's voices really well. So like he convinces a couple of people like through doors that he's uh, Dicky. But even with that, I don't think that there's there's a, that's not going to kind of go far enough to save him in this in this scenario. Oh, that's great. So you're you're talented, Mr. Ripley. What's one of your talents? It's like, I could do a great Jude Law impression. <laughs> yeah, basically. It, yeah, I mean, also like props to you, my friend, of not once giggling, saying Dickie Greenleaf about twenty <laughs> times in two minutes. Like Dickie Greenleaf is in terms of like a name that sums up a character is incredible. Like, it, it brings up one mental image, and Google Images shows me that I am correct. Yeah, I, I mean... It's a man It's a man who buys, who buys sweaters not to wear, but drape over his shoulders. Yeah, that, that's, that's yeah. Uh, ex- extremely, extremely accurate. It, you know, it's from the Top Gun school of thought of being extremely on the nose. Um, not to be confused with the Top Gun flying school. Um, 
So the other thing, the thing that would kind of work in his favour is that he does this whole piece where he's like faking correspondence between the two of them, and he's trying to com- like to convince people that you know Dicky is still alive and he's doing these things and he's gone off to here, there, and everywhere, and you know there's letters flying back and he's booked in at two hotels and one as Dickie and one as Tom to maintain alibis and everything. I do think that would have probably been easier with a smartphone because you could do things like, you know, he could log into accounts and have correspondence like that. He could book multiple places on Airbnb and all these things. So I think that would probably make life a little bit easier from that point of view in kind of falsifying the fact that this guy is still, still alive and kicking. However... I think there's probably too many problems that would basically would not allow him to get to that point because of the whole like how how present people are on um, and easily um, findable uh, with a quick Google. Yeah, or, or, or his con artistry would have to go to like new and exciting levels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we probably we basically need a face-off situation. Yeah. Which, you know, the Talented Mr. Ripley face-off crossover is the one we've all been dying to see. Oh, without, without a doubt. I mean, I'd watch it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, a- anything that can be described as it's blank meets face-off, I will watch. And obviously, the, the face-off would be uh, Matt Damon and John Malkovich. And be like, what? There's no face-off happening here. It's the same person, just 20 years apart. This is, this is just an old photo <laughs> of one man. It's a before and after shot. So yeah, basically, I think the the smartphone era is there. Like, I I I can buy that he could probably still blag his way into like the the inner circle of the of Dicky and um and his girlfriend. However, I think the minute he murders Dicky on the boat, that's the, the jig is up for the rest of the film. You can't. I don't see how in the smartphone era he would be able to kind of do those things. So he probably just gets arrested. Um, and then he, again, he comes out of prison 20 years later as John Malkovich. I like it. And then and then we enter the being John Malkovich phase of the movie trilogy. <laughs> exactly that, yeah. And I know this isn't kind of related to, to what we're talking about necessarily, but I... Come on, come on, Graham. You, you know we always stay on topic. <laughs> I found perhaps one of my favourite ever... You know, you, you scroll through the IMDb trivia section. Yep. One of my favourite uh, pieces of trivia about this film is, and I quote, After viewing this film, Tommy Wiseau was so emotionally moved that he vowed to make a film just as, if not more, compelling. This film would become The Room. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> wow. Imagine setting out to make the... Oscar-nominated talented historically <laughs> and making the room. What a guy! What a guy! It's almost it's almost impressive how far how far away from the talented Mister Ripley the room is. Oh, I wouldn't have. It would have taken me months, like just sitting here guessing constantly what film he was trying to make before I got to the talented Mr. Ripley. The best bit about it, I guess, the closest thing you could say is that maybe like. Denny looks a little bit like like a budget Matt Damon. I mean, he looks as much like Matt Damon as Matt Damon looks like John Malkovich. <laughs> this, maybe that's the three stages of pre pre Matt Damon looking like Matt Damon. He looked like looked like Denny, and then he evolved it. It's it's the Pokemon of Matt Damon. The poke. Okay, so when Denny reaches level sixteen, yep. he evolves into Matt Damon, yep. and then Matt Matt Damon hits thirty two, and boom, John Malkovich. Yep. Nice. So yeah, something, 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 something. 
Master Ball, the talented Mr. Ripley. My final choice, and uh, I am completely going against topic and picking a TV series, but I did basically watch this in a sitting, so I'm going to count it as a movie. (laughs) Okay. Because, you know, we set the rules, Graham, so really we can do what we want. And this is an interesting one. You're turning the rules upside down here. So this this is an interesting one because, obviously... All the other choices we've had, there have been interesting ramifications of having a smartphone, right? If one of the characters in this series had a smartphone, arguably the world would have been destroyed. Okay. That's the high level, but also my personal world would have been destroyed because a smartphone would have ruined what I now believe to be one of the greatest two minutes of TV ever filmed. So, obviously... I know where you're going with this. Yeah, as as much as as much as I like Kate Bush and all her wuthering and running up hills and shit, the best musical moment in Stranger Things is found in season three. So let's start from the beginning, shall we? So first of all, season three of Stranger Things, which I, I was I never was that into Stranger Things until recently, but I think it's just because I kind of gave up after Series 2. Series 2 is definitely a bit of a dip for me. Interestingly, a lot of people seem to think that about Season 3 from like the consensus, at least from what I've heard. I, I, I enjoyed 3, but I think it's just because I really liked the whole... like Because if you don't like the, the character pairings, it's unbearable. Like, S- Steve, Dustin and Erica for the entire series, are just incredible, and they just threw them together. Yeah, Like, I, I get why some people wouldn't like it, because it was a bit of kind of a a departure from what the previous seasons were, and by that I mean they didn't spend ten episodes just torturing a child. <laughs> but I, I enjoyed it a lot. So season three opens up with everyone's favourite kid, Dustin Henderson, coming back from camp where he has apparently met this girl who goes to another school that nobody else knows called Susie. And to talk to her, he builds a giant radio antenna that they travel up to the top of a hill to set up to try and contact her. So he sets up this radio antenna to prove to his friends that he does, in fact, have a girlfriend. So what you you say that they're running up that hill, are they? Yeah, so they're running up that hill. Uh, they're making a deal with God. a radio antenna. So, <laughs> so they're running up that hill. Uh, they set up the radio antenna and then kind of the plot of season three starts when they end up hearing coded Russian messages coming through the radio. First of all, if they had a smartphone, they never would have discovered there were Russians in Hawkins. Yeah. So they never would have had to set up the radio antenna. Dustin would have just showed his friends a photo of Susie and gone, that's my girlfriend. And they still wouldn't have believed him. So he would have called her or FaceTimed or used the balcony app. <laughs> to um, get in contact with callback, nice. and there we go. Yeah, plot, plot done. Yeah, a callback gives the impression that we recorded this all in one go, <laughs> and we're we're not currently dying in like thirty five degree heat. But yeah, so they wouldn't have found the Russians in Hawkins. They wouldn't have known that they were there, which means the Russians' experiments would have kept going without any interruption. And that probably, without them around to close the gate, probably would have led to the world being destroyed. Yeah, I can, I can buy that. So that's one 
and that that is again spoilers for Stranger Things series three is a big departure from what actually happens. <laughs> um, but most importantly for me, and and this impacts me on a personal level. Like I said, it it, it would take away from one of my favorite scenes in tv so i now think this is the most wholesome scene in tv history recently overtaking for me the darts scene from ted lasso but basically not to give away the entire plot of everything but like do we spoil a klaxon um i'd season three yeah but it's also i'd I'd say yeah yeah go on okay I will I, I actually I will just talk vaguely and then we will dive into this because the, the scene I'm going to talk about isn't a plot thing. It's just a fun surprise. Yeah. Right. So basically that to ruin the communists evil upside down base plans, Hopper and Winona Ryder uh, break into kind of their facility and they they found out that the code for where they keep like this key is it's Planck's constant, which is this mathematics thing. And they're all communicating by walkie-talkies. All of the kids are off doing different things. Some of them are currently in a van being chased by this massive fuck-off monster. And Dustin's at his radio antenna, kind of uh, communicating with everyone. So he hears that they've got this mathematics equation wrong, so they can't open this door. So what he does is he phones up or uses the radio to contact his girlfriend Susie. They have this conversation. He loops her he loops her in unknowingly to basically like this group radio chat. And before she will give him the number, she asks that she does something for her, which turns out to be singing the theme tune to the never-ending story. And it comes out of absolutely nowhere and it is fucking amazing. So he obviously doesn't want to because it is hugely embarrassing, but does it anyway. And one thing that's incredible about the scene is that within five seconds, he's forgotten other people are listening and he's just really into it. Yeah. And then you're cutting to everyone else's really confused reactions to it. And I've watched this basically every other day since I watched it for the first time. Like, I can't get over, I can't convey in words how much i like this to the point that occasionally my girlfriend will have to go ian stop singing it and i will have not realized i was humming it well to be fair it is it is never ending nice it's it has literally become part of my personality at this point and i'm not kind of okay with that stay tuned for possibly a rendition post credits of the never ending theme tune song um but yeah there's some great bits so they're they're (laughs) As they're going through the groups, as Dustin and Susie are singing the never-ending story, Winona Ryder is, like, just basically headbutting a wall. Steve and... I can't remember if it's Will or... There are people at the back of a station wagon that are being chased by this huge monster who are just looking around the car, really confused. But in the background, you can still see the monster chasing the car. And I don't know why, but I just find that so fucking funny. Why? Well, like it's comp- this. This comes back to my. It, it's very similar to my love for like the incongruence between a the piece of music playing and what's happening in the scene. So I'll always use yeah, Hit Girl in Kickass as the example, right? So yeah, slaying everyone to the tune of the Banana Splits. It's just that that juxtaposition between the two is just brilliant, and it happens. Yeah, in you know, it's it's a commonly used 
used i don't know if it's a trope is necessarily the, the right word for it but it's something that's commonly used and whenever it is absolutely love it yeah and it, it's everyone is everyone is pitch perfect in how they're reacting to it as well yeah. so steve who is who fast became i think one of my favorite tv babysitters um his response is the the perfect wordless encapsulation of are you guys hearing this as well around the car <laughs> And it's just it's just everyone's reaction to it is amazing and i just fucking love the scene so much because there is nothing has suggested really that this is what's going to happen like it comes completely out of nowhere and it is just fucking great but with a smartphone winona Ryder would have just googled what planck's constant was yeah this is true i do think you would still get the the um the never ending story piece in the smartphone era it's just not over a ham radio. It's a, it's like a TikTok duet. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You still, you still would have got it. But I mean, but also without smartphones, the world would have ended. True, possibly. But even if they had, even if they still picked up, like there was an app that discovered, you know, like, are oh, there communists around you? App or something, and it picks them up. Yeah, you like still in grinder the... for communists. Grinder for communists. Yeah. Um, you're trying to think of a pun, aren't you? Yeah, no, I, I, I was. It's like Stalin for love. No, Lenin. No, love purge. I'll, I'll, fi- I'll figure something out. But yeah, like even, even gulag. if we could still have gu- gulag, but what spelt like G U L A or G U L G because all dating apps miss the. There's that you, you lose uh, at least one vowel, right? Yeah. yeah. Fuck. Speaking of dating apps, so I had a friend over at the weekend. That's a weird segue. <laughs> we had friends over, and we were talking about how. What do you think, like, the nichest dating app is? Yeah. And I think I sent this to you. you. Did, There's yeah. one called Dead Meat. <laughs> yeah, it's called Dead Meat. Yeah. So M-E-E-T, which is arguably the best pun ever conceived. And it is for, it's a dating app for people working in the death industry. And I just found that incredible. Yeah. But yeah, so they, they would use this communist app. So this scene would still happen, like, as is, of them running away the, from this monster. But... Because of like how important stuff is, this isn't where the never-ending story scene would have happened. Yeah. Right? So it would have been like a nice little post-credit sequence of them doing a TikTok together or something. But you wouldn't get all of the reactions to it. And that is... It has to all be the same thing, right? Like for it to kind of work and have the impact it does. Because not only is it just funny because it doesn't match like the situation they're in or what's happening... And like I said, just the monster still chasing the car. It's also the fact that, again, it's the wholesomeness of just both of them completely losing themselves in the moment as well. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of nice, isn't it? After, again, two seasons of basically torturing Will. But yeah, it just wouldn't, wouldn't have happened with a, with a smartphone. So we would have, one, the world would have been destroyed. Two, even if it hadn't been destroyed, we would have been negated a scene which has possibly given me... <laughs> it's been my biggest source of joy in a while, Graham. <laughs> well, that's, that's... Yeah, that's nice. We can't have that going away. I do... It's interesting, isn't it? Because in... Well, actually, I say that in... Um, at, no, it, I do think it's interesting in that this is the probably one example where things are worse with t- the technology because you miss out on the intercepts. Uh, certainly yeah. what in most other i think in every other scenario spoken about it, the changes actually are you know 
ultimately for the better even if it changes the the course of things like because of the enablement of technology the bad things don't necessarily happen um well i say that dickie still dies but yeah it's interesting that this is a particularly the technology is not for the better yeah exactly everything else just negates the story and ruins the film yeah (laughs) well this this is literally the only weirdly the only way to have saved the day was through the use of analog technology Please visit your local vinyl dealership. But yeah, like I feel like, and deservingly so, Kate Bush and Running Up That Hill are getting a lot of respect and discovery and things like that. But Never a Dig Story never did, and I, I feel like it got shortchanged. Yeah. But... The other thing that annoys me is that I, the Kate Bush song is great, but Placebo's version of Running Up That Hill was much better. I, um, I really like the Placebo cover. Um, I think I prefer the Kate Bush one, but as a society, I do think we've all agreed that the superior version of Hounds of Love is the future heads. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is fair. And also, like, just a just a quick one before I before we uh, skip on to the end. Um, don't judge people who have discovered music through a TV show, as if you didn't also discover your music taste through, like, again, the Tony Hawk games or other things. There's nothing wrong with coming to music late, and if you got through it to Stranger Things, that's fine. Don't gatekeep shit. It makes you a horrible person. It's it's a weird, um, yeah, it's a weird a weird flex, isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't make you better than people, guys. But yeah, so yeah, there we go. Um, smartphones would have destroyed the world. Which, out of context, uh, again, it sounds like one of those Instagram tweets I said I didn't like before. <laughs> but yeah, to be fair. Good times. May also still happen. So those were our choices. Mm. Now we obviously come to the the uh, part of the podcast where we decide what our top threes are, and then we figure out what the podcast nobody asked for's official top three list is. So out of yours, good mm. sir, what is the top three of your three? So I think third place, I'm going to go talented Mr. Ripley, because I think whilst the third act completely changes a lot of things would would probably stay fairly constant up until the point of the 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 ori murder so whilst it does change there's still a significant amount that that could stay as is the other two romeo and juliet and home alone i think are, they're quite similar in the amounts things would change home alone as i said could arguably be ruined straight from the start and actually there's there's basically no film there so that 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 is a potentially dramatic change but then also let's say that there are still ways you can miss your alarm even if it is on a smartphone i know i've done it the old uh the old putting your phone down and rolling on top of it there's there's that or there's just the the whole like oh i thought that was charging it isn't and i had two percent battery before i went to bed Uh. so i think with that in mind Let's say that that bit still happens. Again, you get to probably the third act and then things change. Well, actually, probably the second act. Things change dramatically because you then have, like, alternative ways of communication. You have all of the, the you know, he starts using drones and all sorts with his with his smartphone. So I'm going to put that in second place. I'm going to put Romeo and Juliet first because I think Romeo and Juliet is one of the, like, uh, you know, it, it's a tale as old as time. And having a smartphone essentially means that they they live happily ever after, <laughs> rather than um, all of the death 
So um, I'm going to put that in first place. There is also the slight off chance that, that Romeo ditches Juliet because of someone else he met on Tinder. Yeah, I, I do. I would love to see the Reddit thread that Juliet posts on, like, am I the arsehole? <laughs> of, like, my boyfriend's family's refusing to let him see yeah. me. Yeah, that makes sense. I, no, I, 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 I would be forced to agree. Um, my, for my top three, I think... I think I'm just going to go it. So re- the exact reverse of what you did, I think I'm going in the order I went. Okay. So number three is, I think, is Johnny Mnemonic, just because, like, there is a world where maybe through, for, like, subterfuge reasons, you couldn't have it on your phone. Yeah. I guess. But also, 320 gig isn't actually that much. No. <laughs> um Second, I would do 1917 because, again, that reduces a two-odd, two-plus-hour film into a text exchange with Benedict Cumberbatch, which does obviously massively change the film. But I think Stranger Things season three pips it for me just a little bit, just because, like we kind of said, like it is the only one that, weirdly, the introduction of a smartphone negatively impacts the plot and the characters, while everything else is a lot more of a... A positive reflection. Again, it is the exact opposite of a happy ending to Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Sorry, I just... Uh, that that made it sound like Romeo went to a massage parlour. <laughs> that's that's fair. It's quite impressive that you're right, I managed to keep... No, I didn't laugh at Dickie once, but um, a happy ending in Romeo and Juliet just uh, set me off. Yeah, Dickie, D- Dickie Greenleaf, you're completely fine with. Romeo and Juliet. Happy Romeo and Juliet can't get a happy ending. It's apparently too far, uh, but yeah. So that's um, that. That's where I'm leaving. So uh, the 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 interestingness of it pips it to number one. And again, also smartphones would take away from us my favourite scene in TV currently. Yeah. Um, and that's not something I'm prepared to happen. So joint top three then. So I agree with Romeo and Juliet. I would. I, I'm. I'm. I, I, are we both agreed that it is? It's a showdown between the top two of our lists. Yes, I would say so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So nothing weird is happening this week. That's good. No. So straight. Uh, Stranger Things season three. You 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 good with that being top three, or do you prefer the other choices? What's 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 your what is your your gut telling? So my gut goes Romeo and Juliet at number one because it's such a. I guess iconic and well-known story that is fundamentally changed for for the better. Second place, Stranger Things, because it has a, such a tectonic shift in the sense that the world ends. So good, good use of tectonic. Um, you get no. Uh, I mean, Kate, Kate Kate Bush is not getting her residuals basically. If um, oh if yeah, yeah. Exist. So this also. <laughs> this also impacts Kate Bush and Metallica. Yeah, this is true. Although, you know, screw Metallica for Napster. Um, oh, fuck, I always forget. Was that Metallica or was it just Lars? It was Lars. Wells Lars. Ulrich. But yeah, so then I would say that second place. Um, and then I... It's very difficult between the two because essentially you could kind of say it's the same thing for both, right? Because... They they basically reduce the movie from a movie to the the problem not being a problem anymore with 1917 and Home Alone. I would probably say if we if I if I'm if I'm taking the same tact as I am with putting Romeo and Juliet first in terms of its cultural significance, probably um, 
World, World War One may hold <laughs> may hold a little more sway than uh, Kevin McAllister being stuck uh, stuck at home in Chicago. Yeah, I, I think like to be honest again, and I'm sorry for people who tuned in for a fucking <laughs> argument, but that's kind of what I was thinking as well. The the main reason I would have gone 1917 over Home Alone is like nobody really wants to acknowledge this, right? But Kevin McAllister's a bit of a prick. Yeah, I mean he's right? he's a horrible he's, he's, child. He's, He's a horrible child, so I don't think he would have answered his mum's mobile calls anyway. No, you're probably right. It just it just means he would have been home alone for a shorter period of time. Yeah. So yeah, I would go 1917 because yeah, I, w- I want to see those uh, text exchange text exchanges. But yeah, cool. Well, that was that was that was that was that was great. easy. That was easy. We're, we're fucking done, guys. Uh, the official. Podcast Nobody Asked For's top three movies that would be completely different if they had a smartphone. Uh, coming in at number three is 1917. Uh, number two is Stranger Things Season 3, brackets. Ian is counting this as a movie, close brackets. And number one is Romeo plus Juliet. <laughs> um, if you agree with our choices, um, if you have any other choices that you would have picked, we've had some great ones come in uh, on Twitter already. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for, and you can also find us on Patreon at the podcast nobody asked for, where you become a friend of the podcast, uh, which just helps us keep things going and things like that. Things like that, indeed. Um, you can find all of upcoming episodes before they nestle in your ears, as in what they're going to be. Um, if you follow us on Twitter, because we regularly uh, give give the lowdown of what's coming up, um, you can find us there on Nobody Asked For Pod with the number four. Same on Facebook. And we also have a website, podcastnobodyasked4.co.uk, which has all of your informatical needs about the podcast and patreon and social media and some random top three things that we listed that i can't remember but they're there so uh, go there and enjoy yeah on on your smartphones and uh, wherever you're listening to this if you're able to leave us a review and in your review put any future ideas you have for top three lists for us to tackle uh, and we will do the best ones so that is uh that's this week's done. Mm. We, we, we could take it off the fucking to do done list. and dusted. Um, maybe done and dusted. Maybe right. next one is like um, like some of the interim technology between like mobile phones and smartphones. Like what movies would have changed there? So like, do you remember the um, the digital file faxes that you used to get, where you could like put a, like it was like a big uh scientific calculator but with a keyboard and you used to be able to like put people's names and addresses in it yes um yeah yeah you know what what would have changed there maybe mini discs um what what would change with the mini disc player i don't know the the opportunities Mo- yeah. are movies movies that would have been better with a gramophone yeah movies that would be better with the wheel we'll just keep going back slice bread fire you know slice bread the Hobbit, they uh, not the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings. They, they, that Lammas bread was never sliced. You had to tear it apart, and you know maybe that was, maybe things would have been better than Mr. Frodo and Sam. Ugh, no one asked for this. Hang up. Oh, the the clip ended. So.
because for people for people listening um zoom have changed how they do their uh profiles now so even in just me and graham recording we only have 40 minutes at a time because we're both too cheap to pay for a actual subscription so i have to resend out an invite to graham turn around look at what you see in her face the mirror of your dreams make believe i'm everywhere hidden in the lines written on the pages is the answer to the never-ending story just gonna admit graham now he's not gonna know what happened ah oh. Video's still on. How you doing? Fabulous.